This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I'm Aaron Bentley, and I'm having kind of a rough day, so I had to bring the energy loud to get this episode started. Luckily, I am joined by my good friend, Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. You know, I'm doing all right. This is... We had a moment off air that kind of epitomizes what I think what our week has been Bentley, where I thought that TV started next week. So, you know, it, it, this is going to be a struggle this week, guys, but we're going to put forth the effort. We're going to bring in the energy and we're going to get down to it. Oh, I'm going to bring it. Don't worry about that. And the man who always brings it every week, it's Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. What's up, Nate? What's up, fellas? That's right. It's me, the man who always brings it. My <laughs> famous moniker. Um, uh, no banter. I got no banter this week. All right. Well, good to know. I was told me to bring it, talk- so I brought it hard. <laughs> yeah, you really did. Woo. All right. Well, if you want more of Nate bringing it, follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. Nate is the primary man behind the curtain there. Although we all occasionally dip our toes in or Nate yells at us for not retweeting certain things. So you can get that uh, there. You can follow me at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji Heya. That's Fuji with two eyes like Don Fuji. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can get this feed independently by searching Everything Elite on the podcast app of your choice or by subscribing to the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. You can get us, along with all the other shows on the network, leave us a rating and review on the podcast app. I always say iTunes, so I'm saying the podcast app now. We'd appreciate it. Five stars only. And if you want a way to uh, support the show, sponsor us. You can go to redcircle.com slash shows slash everything dash elite. I'm sure that'll be in the show notes. And you can click sponsor this podcaster and make a one-time sponsorship or a recurring sponsorship. Not a Patreon. We're not doing additional content for this. But if you just want to pitch in for fun, feel free. Okay, here's what we're going to talk about this week. AEW Dynamite. That's on the run sheet. We're going to talk about that. NXT made their debut. We're not going to be like covering NXT during this, but it's just notable uh, that they debuted. And we'll talk a little bit about it. I want to talk about the tag team tournament. The bracket was announced this week. So it's kind of not what I expected. So I think that'll be interesting. And of course, as always, Nate will bring it and break down this week's BTE. Let's get into it. The first thing that I wanted to talk about was the the name was announced. It's going to be called AEW Dynamite. So I don't think it's called Wednesday Night Dynamite, even though they said that on Twitter. Uh, It's just called Dynamite. So we've talked about this before, but any thoughts on AEW Dynamite as a name for the weekly television show? Uh, it's cute. It's a cute name. Um, it fits well with TNT. You know, you got like an explosion mm. theme happening here. Uh, it kind of harkens back to the, you know, goofy 90s names like your Nitro or your, uh, you know, your other, you know, it's in that sort of American Gladiators wheelhouse of, of could be a possible American Gladiator name. Um, fundamentally, I don't think it really matters. Like, you know, it's really going to depend on whether the show is good. If the show is good, then people will have con- positive connotations about the name. Um, more importantly, I thought they released a poster on the TNT Twitter account for the television show, really. Um, and looks great. Just like looks, you know, better than every WWE poster of the last 20 years, probably. Um, you know, got all these colorful personalities literally exploding in like bursts of color and they're all looking dynamic and, you know, they're not, not all facing directly into the camera like a WWE poster probably would. Um, so, you know, looks uh, looks vibrant and looks like uh, the hot new shit. Yeah, the poster rules. I was all about it when I saw it. It looks like something that I would use as a cell phone background, just like vibrant colors. It's much more different than what we've seen out of Impact or WWE for a long time. So I'm glad that they kind of went their own way with it. And AEW Dynamite, you know, as long as it's not Wednesday night dynamite, I was not going to pitch a fit. So I'm okay with it. And, you know, all wrestling show names are pretty bad when we get down to it. So as long as they keep it up, we'll get used to it and we won't care. I want to uh, talk about the explosive color thing some more because we also will talk about this, but they also had it in the road too when they were breaking down the tag team bracket. They had, you know, the colorful puffs of smoke behind each team and they all had like a different 
sort of color behind them and you sort of had the nice clash of like the clouds of smoke uh which is if, if that's like an aesthetic they're going to carry through and that's going to be part of their presentations on the tv show i think it looks great um it's like uh, again colorful and explosive but also like it's just so distinct from the wwe guy just immediately shitting on the wwe in this episode i know um but like that's like literally everything's red or everything's blue it's like it's all fucking primary colors because it's a corporate symposium for like toddlers whereas like already in AEW you have like oh purple is a color fucking pink is a color teal is a color and all these different teams embody these you know the full spectrum of characters instead of just cookie cutter good guy cookie cutter bad guy whatever um so i was like oh shit that looks cool so that's my take how many weeks ago was it that a review encouraged Nate to tell us he would no longer bash WWE on this show? They did not actually encourage me. They just identified themselves as a WWE lifer. So I said, out of consideration for them, I would try to be less antagonistic about it. Uh, but this is not in my nature. I just hate, you know, Vince McMahon too much. I'm sorry. I can confirm that Nate is antagonistic. I think he's been referred to as antagonistic on the it show was antagonistic at times i think was he <laughs> oh yes yeah i think that's right uh i so the initial poster i was fine with it was other than Britt baker is like very like the angle of her is like very bizarre on the original poster uh so i i was sure that she could not have been happy about how she looks on the poster but the cody dustin graphic that they that they posted with uh it's like orange and yellow, I think. I can't remember the exact colors. That looked awesome. I was like, okay. I, I, then I appreciated what Nate was saying about those bursts behind the, the Yeah, photos. bursts are cool. Um, I also, uh, I'm interested to see if uh, everyone in this promotion gets an image color, like in idol groups, you know, or K-pop groups where everybody has their own color. Um, I do also on the poster that's interesting, kind of not super prominent is Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho's the biggest head by a significant margin. Then you really get Cody and Moxley. Then you kind of have Awesome Kong is front and is is center, and then the Young Bucks are front and center, uh, and really Kenny's like maybe the the fourth or fifth or sixth most prominent person on here, which I just thought was pretty interesting because you know it seemed like he was uh, really going to be the foundational guy and the top uh, ace babyface for this promotion. I thought it was noteworthy the main people are all former WWE people. A little concerning, I think. It's just like, oh, these are our, our stars as of right now. Well, the Bucks aren't. I guess that's your they're the they're True. front and center directly behind the logo. So that's really the the one. And you do and they did a good job of you know looking at who else we should keep an eye on here. MJF is obvious, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy is obvious. Um, but yeah, you, you know, do we need gold dust in there being like, hey, you guys have been missing gold dust and raw. Check out AEW. Like, I don't know. <laughs> the thing that gets me is how oh, they, they did choose other than Britt Baker's photo. They did choose like some very good shots that they've taken. It's the fact that Dustin is like looking pensively off into the distance is the thing that gets me about his shot there. But the thing that I find very interesting is all throughout the lead up of Warner media, the uh, TCA, these were all the people that pretty much have been featured all throughout. Like Jungle Boy has been everywhere with it. I mean, really the only person that was a part of it that has not on the poster for obvious reasons was Michael Nakazawa, who's been everywhere too. So this does seem like from a TNT and Warner Media standpoint, who they've been wanting to get out in the forefront to begin with. That makes sense. Speaking of, I don't know, TNT, they're starting a TV show and NXT debuted. On their their USA version of NXT debuted last night. Recording this on Thursday, of course. Uh, the number came out a little bit ago: one point one seven nine million viewers. So, I don't know if we talked about what we expected, but uh, it seems like a, a fine number, a good number for them. And um, I don't know. Did, did this number jump out to you all in either way? I think it exceeded my expectations a little bit. Um, I I was. I am largely pessimistic about the number of people that I guess are willing to try out a new wrestling thing. Maybe these people aren't new to NXT or whatever. We don't know what kind of viewership it had on the uh, network, except we know that there's not uh, 1.2 million people watching anything on the network. The I, I guess this this made me a, a little bit more optimistic about AEW because uh, AEW just feels hotter than NXT. Um, AEW has been promoted well to this point uh, and has been promoted in 
normal person outlets like uh you know sporting events and uh i know the champions league had a bunch of ads and theater uh pre-roll shit so uh, i i just think that AEW feels hotter i think more people are going to be inclined to check out AEW. so i think if this is the baseline then i think uh this means AEW is uh you know going to be approaching 1.5 rather than approaching one yeah i it, i didn't make a prediction but if I were to, I would have done about 1 million and then 200,000 standard de- first standard deviation around. So I feel like it would have 67% of the time have been between 800,000 and 1.2 million. So this is about where I expected a little bit more towards the higher end of, uh, of confidence there. I, I've not looked at the quarterlies, but I would be very interested to see how many of the people that tuned in here tuned early so they could watch suits which has had their penultimate episode last night and because that is a big ratings driver for usa i mean it's enough of a range driver that they weren't going to allow nxc to have the second hour until after they were done with the show so you you, you know 1.2 million especially when you compare that to monday night raw that really shows you what their baseline is and especially when you add in the fact that they're still hovering at between 1.5 million and 1.6 million members of the WWE network worldwide, they still aren't doing like great numbers here. And, you know, I feel like probably next week we'll, we'll give like a prediction for like first week's TV numbers. But if they're going to get 1.18 for one hour of NXT, who's to say for AEW, it's going to take like a, a lot of like long, hard thinking about what you would accurately pick as AEW's first night show. I kind of don't think, that many people watch both. I kind of think it's two different audiences. And so I don't know that this number tells us anything about what AEW might do. That's my take. I'm not sure there's much crossover. And just think about all, and now this is like bubble bias, but people who like WWE are big time WWE fans. And that's really all they're interested in. And some people, yeah, that we see online go crazy about like they'll attack anything else. But I think so WWE used to have these uh, commercials on Hulu where they would say, like, I'm not a wrestling fan. I'm a WWE fan. And I think that's true. I don't think people who watch WWE nowadays necessarily care about the wider world of professional wrestling. I think you're uh, right to a large extent. Um, But I think those the people in that group that are not like totally out of their minds um, and, you know, uh, losing their shit on Twitter constantly and, uh, you know, don't identify themselves as a person by their WWE fandom. <laughs> those people are also like probably huge Chris Jericho marks. Like those people probably think the list was the funniest fucking thing to ever happen. Like, oh, he said he calls people stupid idiots and he puts them on a list. That's a fucking riot. That's what I imagine your <laughs> normal WWE fan is like. I mean, I think if you're sitting there on the couch watching NXT on USA and there's a commercial break, you're you're going to flip the channel and see if Chris Jericho's on. I, I just think, you know, he, they, they haven't been exposed to AEW yet to know if it's, you know, uh, near enough to WWE that they might also like it. I think you also look at the demographics. There has been a demographic split that's been released for NXT show like yesterday versus Raw and SmackDown. Uh, Brandon Howard Thurston at Russell Nomics did this. It's worth taking a look at. Friend of the show. Friend of the show, Brandon Howard Thurston, you know, and also PWI top 500 wrestler, Brandon Howard Thurston. Like, let's make sure to get all the titles right here. But he also follows me on Twitter. Most yeah. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> but well, there's this great graph of demographics that they show about like the major TV viewership numbers, because when you look at these kind of shows, at least for ad buyers, you're looking at, okay, under 18, 18 to 49, and then 50 up. And NXT did do a little better for the 18 to 49s, but it's still not a whole lot of viewers there, whereas it's pretty much been on record how much younger the potential AEW audience is. So it just seems like that a lot of the people that watch this are just like WWE fans because there was there was some change with like the youth about it. But, I mean, they still had a whole bunch of olds watching it, and that's not good for advertisers. You know, there's also some talk on Twitter this week that Canada might get some good news related to AEW's uh, TV deal there. 
Uh, we still don't know much about that. But here's what we do know about Canada. Justin Trudeau apparently likes to wear blackface. Uh, have you guys been following this at all? <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. know where you're going with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm interested to see where this goes here. That is the Canada fact. Well, great news. On mybookie.ag, you can bet on several things related to Justin Trudeau. Okay? First one. Will Justin Trudeau resign? And folks, yes is coming in at plus 500 right now. That's actually, you know, he it keeps on coming out. He keeps on wearing more blackface. So at this point, at this point, it's an innumerable amount. So plus 500, I mean... I did a worse bet for the Dallas Mavericks when the NBA finals in 2011. So there's also, if you're going to make that bet, jump on it because it, uh, you know, this is going to become a lot more clear when the fourth blackface incident hits the newswire. Now's the time. Okay. Well, speaking of that, there's an over under how many documented instances of Trudeau in Brown or blackface over under six and a half. Wow. Okay. I'm still taking the under. Hmm. But I think we're getting to four. And uh, perhaps my favorite Justin Trudeau prop on mybookie.ag. Will Trudeau make a cameo appearance in Aladdin 2? (laughs) (laughs) How much do you have to bet to win, you know, $5 on that? Well, it's plus 2,500, so not much. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's not. That's my that's my epitasis lock of the week. You will not <laughs> not be making a cameo appearance in Aladdin two. Hmm, well, it's, I mean, put your money down, uh, and here's how you can put your money down at mybookie.ag. Uh, and big thing on this, seriously, Mike and I are betting at mybookie.ag, so we're not just selling this to you. It's a real thing, a real website that we're using. Uh, we wouldn't be telling you guys to bet there if they weren't the best. So you can use promo code Elite to double your deposit. So anything you deposit up to $1,000, they will double it. And all you have to do is enter the promo code ELITE. That's E-L-I-T-E. So visit mybookie.ag today. Before I get to the catchphrase, hold on. I got something else. The Cousin Weed Mouse Lock of the Week. Folks, it paid last week. He's 1-0. Cousin Weed Mouse is 1-0. He's got a little bet for you this week. I'm I'm nervous about this. Central Michigan plus 28 and a half at Miami. Now, hold on before you guys start, because I just want to tell you, (laughs) President Weed Mouse gave me the plus 28 and a half at mybookie.ag, folks. You can get 29 and a half points. If you're going to go with this, bet it at mybookie. You'll get a better number. So if you don't know, if you haven't listened enough to EE lore, uh, Mike and Nate, of course, are you alums. So this has to hurt. I mean, it's a lot of points. I'm not, you know, grievously offended by it. Um, yeah, you know, and uh, I, I don't want to pick against Cousin Weed Mouse so quickly here either. So I, I think I'm just going to stay away on this one. Mm. I, I will say that Miami did cover last week when they had an even higher spread against Bethune Cookman. So okay, well, we're talking a little different. That's that's not a directional Michigan. So that's not a directional Michigan. That is true. It is also. Was was Central Michigan the place that PJ Fleck came from? Like the crazy guy who coaches at Minnesota now? Can't say I'm up on my Big Ten football. Big Ten or directional Michigan, apparently. No, not up on either of those. SEC guy here. All right, the everything elite lock of the week. Jacksonville Jaguars. Got to get that money line. Plus 105. They're only one and a half point uh, dogs this week. So, you know. You might take the point, but better VIG on the money line. So if you think they can cover, just take that money line. That's it. So you can bet on any of those. But remember that thing I said last week about something about we're not telling you to bet or something, whatever. Just imagine we said all that stuff. But if you're going to, do it at mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. All right. I want to talk a little bit about AW's TV show. (laughs) Not that we ever talk about that on this. Great podcast. We got the road to AEW on TNT, episode three. Okay, so run through this thing uh, pretty quickly. It starts out with a nice little package uh, with Riho. She's got a little video package, all in Japanese. And the main point of this is her saying she wasn't sure when they first asked her whether she was good enough 
to be on this stage. She talks about how the difference between AEW and Japan is the size of the audience. And which is true when you're talking about like Gato move to, uh, <laughs> to AEW uh, selling out arenas. So uh, she said it made her nervous at first, but she's happy about the opportunity. And the, the best part of this is kind of talking about her experience of like seeing how the fans reacted to her and how at the beginning they were wondering what she said, how, quote, this little girl was going to fight. She says, but the fans gained confidence in her and saw that she could do even bigger things. And then she goes into building, you know, trying to build her up as legitimate against Nyla Rose. She says, she knows she's small, but she trained even harder because of that. She's wrestled for a long time, which is uh, legit, and had a lot of matches with different weight classes. And so she said, people probably expect Nyla to win, uh, but she has no weakness or fear. And she closes by saying, Nyla-san should be afraid. Fucking loved this, man. Yeah, I thought it was, uh, you know, pretty, pretty competent, pretty straightforward, straight ahead promo. As like an entryist anime watcher, this is, you know, pretty like boilerplate. Oh, I'm going to work really hard and try my best stuff. Um, didn't really. Yes, um, exactly. Um, didn't really get like a whole lot of color about who she is as a person. Like when we've done these with other people on the roster, like uh, your Nyla Roses and your Britt Bakers and um your dustin roses or whoever else it is like we sort of understood them as a human being behind the performer a little bit more um and uh, you know maybe as we can through that to the language barrier or something but or you know when we see like ikaru shida on twitter like i just get more flavor from her because she's doing her makai pro wrestling you know historical battle stuff or she's like playing final fantasy themes on the piano and stuff and you just kind of get more of an idea of her as a person and Riho right now is just like uh you know oh here's your undersized baby face pro wrestling you see i really like this a lot more than nate i guess i thought that this was really well done like they got a lot of great stuff of her around the arena i guess this was at all out and it was just a bunch of good b-roll and i thought that was really cool how they weren't just going to do like i don't know i don't watch nxc or anything like this but i seem to remember like in the past like they've kind of made it very weird for people who aren't english first language as an interview but they're perfectly fine just straight up doing subtitles with this and i thought that Riho, like she's very easy to get behind and i feel like that this was a good you know just a baby face promo like that she's gonna do her best she said Gambari Moss about four times in the in the promo, and I thought this was really cool. But I do get Nate's point about how we don't really have as much of a personality with her as we do with like Hikaru Shida or like Yuka Sakazaki when we saw her or Shoko Nakajima. So it's interesting in that regards. So yeah, I think that's fair. I guess I just liked that she went from I thought it was going to be a yeah I'm little, but I've got a chance to win promo, and then she turned it at the end. And when she turned to the actually I'm going to kick her ass. Uh, I just enjoyed that. I thought that was fun. Yeah, that ruled, but that, that ending of it was great. We have Tony Schiavone in a brand new AEW control center. The budget was really upgraded this week. Was it? Got got a greener screen. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I saw the rundown before I watched this, and I was like, okay, sweet. This is going to be cool. Maybe they went to some of the Turner Sports <laughs> things. And, and then I'm, you know where my where my eyes were immediately drawn to? That's like, okay, they're just making it. A more elaborate green screen. The fact that there was no shadow whatsoever at his feet. That was great. Uh, and it's <laughs> mainly focusing on the first show, of course. Uh, he announces that MJF and Brandon Cutler will have a singles match on the first show on October 2. And then we get a little MJF uh, interview, although I'm not confident that Tony Schiavone was at all involved when they cut this uh, interview with MJF. <laughs> anyway, MJF. Uh, he makes fun of Brandon Cutler again for crying. So that's <laughs> going to be the ongoing thing, which I know Nate enjoys. And then he kind of like zeroes in, has a little bit of a serious moment. And he says, Brandon Cutler is a really good guy, but that's the thing. You're just a guy. And then he goes hard at him. He says he's an average guy with an average looking wife and average kids. Very fucked up. Uh, and then he kind of turns that into like people are cheering for you because they can see themselves in you, you know, because they're all losers and I'm better than you, blah, 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 MJF. But this was one of the better MJF promos, in my opinion, because it had like an actual heart to it. 
Yeah, he did a good job of not just totally burying the guy and making his eventual win over him like totally meaningless. He was like, oh, no, like you're, you know, if, if I'm being serious, like, and also by saying, hey, you know, I'm going to be serious now for a second, that also was like, okay, now we sort of see that the MJF character is aware that he's doing shtick to get on people, get in people's heads on some level. So that works as well. Um, also, so when we discuss BTE later, we see Brandon Cutler's house and the new like light little life he's built for himself with his AEW money. So that was funny because MJF talks about, oh, I would never fucking live in your neighborhood because I'm great and rich and you're fucking Brandon Cutler. Like that, that gave us like just some good context for that little line. Like, oh no, yeah, we can see Brandon Cutler like could be the guy at your traditional gaming store playing D&D you know, wherever the fuck uh, in California. Um, so I, I, I there's a lot to like here. Um, and really, again, the most important thing about these MJF promos is he's doing like prototypical heel stuff, but you can tell he delivers it with um, like passion and delivers it with the familiarity that, oh, he came up with this stuff. He's writing his promos. He's not reading off a script from some guy back there. So these are thoughts that came to his mind. The heat gets on him rather than the heat getting on whatever bad writers like just that step alone makes this, you know, a better heel promo than the WWE has done. I'm sure in a decade. Yeah. And on top of that, like talking about how he does, you could tell that this is purely MJF. One of the things I think he does really great is the little bit of just character work, just like Shakespeare, because kind of is fooling around before you, uh, say the actual heart of the promo, like the thing with the coffee and the guy like held out his hand, he immediately stuck it, took his gum out and stuck it in the guy's hand and said, Oh, that's great. Thank you very much. Like that. There's a certain level of, I, I feel like this week that I've, I've seen enough of a people like not buying MJF as a character, but I, I was completely bought in with this. He, I know that everyone's just like, Oh yeah, Rick rude. But like the thing you see reminds me of was like Gino Hernandez, like, the old like WCCW and Blanchard territory guy who was just incredible at doing a very similar character to this. And it's just was so, it was just such like a convincing promo. And then of course, like taking the beat and then addressing his kids was such a brutal and good finishing line there. Even though the whole thing with him and Tony interplaying really felt staged. And you could tell that they were just put there. It was like, Hey, you two, you're going to be doing some, some interplay here. So Tony, here's the promo MJF beforehand make fun of Tony sometimes so he can react in studio. But I thought all in all, I thought this is a pretty effective package here. And I think it played up and I think it really built up a match that could have just been just an add on match to the premiere show. His, his the content of his promos is like kind of uh, cheap heat kind of stuff at times. Like um, later he talks about Indiana and just like Barry's local sports teams, like very, you know, uh, rudimentary stuff, but it kind of works because you never breaks kayfabe. First of all, and the, like I said, he, he makes these diversions where you can see, oh, there's like a split between the character doing shtick and the real guy on some of it. Like we see him getting serious about color here. We saw him get serious about Sean Spears. He, he's, he's like a guy who was raised on semi-cartoony WWF heel promos and like integrated that into himself. And it, it, it works as like a complete package because he commits to it so much. What do you guys think about this match being on the first show? Like, there's pretty much no way that this is a high-level, you know, in-ring match. So when you mix that with what they already have on this card, I'm just a little worried. So we see that what NXT is doing is at least trying to do, like, wrestling, right? Like, from what I understand, I didn't watch the show, but they did, on the first hour, they did three matches, no angles, Here's just wrestling, including one very long, like 22-minute match. So they want to be seen as like, no, we do wrestling too. And I think they're trying to preempt what they expect AEW to be. But if you look at this card so far, I'm not sure how much of that kind of like work rate wrestling we're going to see on this first show. So I didn't think this was like a big, um, you know, showcase match that's going to draw a bunch of eyeballs or anything. Except then uh, MJF started talking shit about Dungeons and Dragons and went like, like normie viral with like, you know, genuine celebrities talking shit at him and like actual Dungeons and Dragons players melting down about uh, them assaulting his identity or him assaulting their identity and shit. <laughs> I didn't see so that. now you've got like a good little story and a hook behind it. They've been building it with him talking shit about Brandon Cutler. 
um, for you know weeks on BT and whatever else. So there's some meat here to this match now, and but really what it's you know I think primarily going to be is you're going to get MJF with a decisive win to establish him as a guy in the promotion that new fans should keep an eye on. And also he's going to cut like a good promo and not have any fear about it whatsoever and be like, Oh yeah, I'm a fucking television wrestler now. You know, this is what I do. So um, I think this is going to be a good, like middle of the show sort of, Oh yeah, this is like, you know, old school pro wrestling. Here's, here's a heel heel promo going to get the win. You're going to come back to see him get his ass kicked down the line. Yeah. And with how the show is setting up and the fact that this is the, other than the pay-per-view shows, this is the first time that they've had a really strict time restraint here for what TV is going to be like. We're not going to be seeing each of these matches going 20 minutes just because of it's two hours. You're selling at least 22 minutes an hour or more of ad time there. So we have these four matches. We might get a fifth or a sixth, probably a fifth. Six might be pushing it. So, yeah, for like what this match is going to be, he's done a great job of antagonizing Joe Maganello about getting D&D people on it. Because, I mean, there's a lot of people now who've never heard of AEW who are big into D&D and pen and paper RPGs now that have heard about this because they follow Joe Maganello because Joe Maganello is probably the him or Vin Diesel are probably the biggest like pen and paper. I, I got to go with Vin on that one. Well, I mean, Vin Diesel's not going to go on Twitter for this and also joe magnello is a known wrestling fan he goes to pwg shows all the time so it was just smart of him to do this and build this up here and you know this will be like as nate said heel promo convincing one and i mean in and out one tv segment i do uh just i don't know very fortunate but also like i've been saying the eyes of creative wrestling fans have already been on AEW, and you see that like with how this went viral with um as we discussed the the D celebrities like mixing it up with mjf like there's an alternate universe where there's no bubbly meme and there's no chris jericho losing his title and there's no um you know uh celebrities and comedians and musicians wearing aw shirts and there's none of this interplay and like aw is just in a bubble of like hardcore wrestling fans and it has not broken out like they got I think it's just that they got super fortunate and people were like, Hey, yeah, we're, you know, we're going to do a little bit of banter on this and uh, probably has gotten some more eyeballs in the promotion. The road to episode closes with unveiling the bracket for the tag team championship tournament. I thought this is uh, pretty interesting. So how it's going to open up is, and this starts on October nine in Boston, uh, young bucks versus private party is a first round match. And they're on the same side of the bracket as Lucha Brothers versus Jurassic Express. And wasn't there a wasn't there a vote in? Jurassic Express beat somebody to get into this spot? Yeah. Yeah, Dan and Helico, yeah. Yeah, Cuero oh, okay. de Cielo. Yeah, do the Spanish name. Can you hit me with that again? Cuero de Cielo. Cuero de Cielo. And on the other side of the bracket, we got the Best Friends versus SCU. The gimmick here being that we don't know which two of SCU it's going to be. Well, they put two in the graphic. They did. Very strange, even though they're pushing that story. Yeah. And, of course, at the bottom is uh, that side of the bracket is just Dark Order. Uh, they, of course, won the first round by, so they will face the winner of Best Friends versus SCU. So I find that particularly interesting, right? Like, that was kind of the story building up, and now those two teams, presumably, are going to meet in the quarter. Semifinals? Semifinals. <laughs> Semifinals. There we go. <laughs> I guess we're starting with the quarterfinals. Uh, I, th I thought that would be more of a like finals matchup, so I'm, I'm surprised. Um, oh, in terms of best friends in Dark Order? Yeah, I thought best friends would like yeah. go through. They would overcome not getting the buy and then overcome the Dark Order to win the tournament. That was my yeah. fantasy booking. Um, um, that was also my thing at the time. That's sort of the story you tell with uh, you know a team – Cheating and then getting a buy, not really cheating, but using their heel underground creepers to to get the unearned buy or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, I think it's just that the likely answer is neither of those teams are, are going to win the belts. So that's probably why they're not meeting in the finals. Um, uh, There's a spoiler alert if you're not like super into uh, stuff, but Jurassic Express is beating the Lucha Brothers because the Lucha Brothers have a date that conflicts with the date of the semifinals. So, uh, and that's, that's good because we know that Jurassic Express is a 
team to watch. That's a good like upset because we just saw the Lucha Brothers get their giant win. They hold the tag belts of another promotion. Like that's a good like juicy upset to be like, holy shit! You know they beat basically the top tag team in the world, and now they're moving on to the second round. Um, so that's happening. I'm totally okay with how this bracket is because, as Nate said, Lucha Brothers have a Lucha Vavoom uh, booking. I think that's the one they have on the 23rd of October, and it's just like. I'm now looking at this bracket, and I we're going to get the best friends Dark Order blow off, which is good. They've been building that up for the last four months, and then you know, I mean, we we live in a world where we're, where it's not outside the realm of possibility that we could be getting a private party versus Jurassic Express uh, semifinals, and then you know, this could after like having like all this build up here, like having a very new tag team as the tag team champions here, I think is a very bold move and. Seeing how for like Private Party and Jurassic Express, how over they have been on consecutive shows, I think this is a great move altogether. Uh, disagree big time. Huge disagree from me. Uh, Dave <laughs> Dave convinced me of this on his most recent show uh, that the Young Bucks have to win because you have to establish these belts as meaning something first. So it has to be a top tag team that holds these first. If you have Private Party win them first, it's like okay, great, they won the tournament, but you know what does that really mean? They're not. Stars at this point, they're not draws, they're not you know all time greats. Whereas the Young Bucks are all of those things. So if you want the belts to mean something when Private Party wins them down the line, I think it's smart to establish them with the Young Bucks first. And you know they they put over a lot that they want the tag team division to be meaningful and like on par with the singles division and stuff. So if you're going to have big time main events, TV main events, money drawing main events, um, at this point, I think it has to be the Young Bucks in that spot. I'll directly argue against Dave Meltzer. Melter via Nate, aka Epidesis. If Private Party beats Young Bucks, they're made. If when when Jurassic Express beats Lucha Brothers, who have been the dominant force in the tag team division as well, they're made. And then in the main event where it's probably going to be SCU will be SCU best friends or a lame duck dark order team, that's another known quantity tag team. So why not have them be built up like that? And then from there, I mean, you still have the Young Bucks match and this, then making a defense here of we want next, we want next year. So why not? I think we're getting Young Bucks Dark Order final. We know the Dark Order is like the Bucks guys, and they've wanted to bring them up and put them on a big stage for years, going back to PWG. So I think that's this is their opportunity where they say, all right, you know, the Dark Order has had some uh, rough sledding to this point. We're going to go on TV and put on a fucking bonkers match and get you guys over and uh, get these belts over. Yeah, when I saw the bracket, I was convinced that the Bucks are going to win um, because, and I'm convinced they're going to beat the Dark Order because you want to have, I would presume you want to have a heel team uh, against a babyface team for the championship match. The weirdest thing, well, I've already said kind of what I think about the best friends thing, but also weird to me that you do private party in the first round and beat them so quickly. If you're going to have, if the Lucha Brothers have to lose, might be nice to get Private Party the win there. I feel like they're the next big team in this division. It would be no, it's cool. Jurassic Express. They're the next ones. Private Party's got a couple know. years first. I don't know. I think they're more behind Private Party, but I, I, but maybe I'm wrong because they're going to put them over Lucha Brothers here. You're wrong. Hmm. I don't know. I like both teams. So yeah, that's the fun stuff. Is at least that side of the bracket is all interesting. You know, I yeah. don't really have any interest in SCU um, outside of. Uh, you know, fun little six man openers and stuff. They're a great undercard uh, team that people enjoy and will get people hyped up for a fun night of wrestling. The, I, the, I guess the other interesting thing is your is no LAX. So we can kind of presume they're on this television show, um, but they made their you know intentions known when they showed up on all out uh, and then didn't manage to get into the tag team tournament, I guess, because uh, maybe they didn't have their paperwork done before then. Hmm. I guess they could also be the first challengers to the winners of the of the tournament. And that would make sense if the winners are the Young Bucks. Indeed. Indeed it would. Okay, well, that's the World Tag Team Championship Tournament. That's going to be wrapping up at the Charleston, West Virginia show on October 10. So we'll see. We'll see who was right. We'll find out. Uh, the card for the first show, real quick, Cody versus Sammy Guevara, MJF versus Brandon Cutler, Riho versus Nyla Rose. Young Bucks and Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho and mystery partners who we assume will be uh, Santana and Ortiz. Uh, we will talk, you know, we got one more week before TV starts, so we'll talk more about those matches 
Next week, uh, one last little TV note. They announced that they're going to be in Indianapolis on November 20th at the Farmers something arena. Uh, tickets go on sale on Friday, September 20th at noon. Yeah, I don't know the arena, but the Twitter handle for it was just Indiana State Fair or something, which was very funny. Yeah. It's like, oh, they're they're running the State Fair. Well, it's on the fairgrounds. I've I think it's the same building. I went to a Ring of Honor show on the fairgrounds, um, whatever grounds. <laughs> One time, <laughs> uh, Mike Elgin broke my foot. Oh, at, oh. We were front row, and it was well, that's Mike it. We, Elgin. It's finally time to cancel Mike Elgin. I'm not standing for him <laughs> fucking up your foot. <laughs> Mike Elgin, who was he wrestling? I can't remember. But it was another big guy, and he was Hanson. throwing him in. Was it Hanson? No, because Hanson was in the uh, main event. Mm. Um, Elgin was throwing this guy into like the barrier, and he had done it several times, and I was like, fuck. So finally, this was a very bad idea, but I put my foot up. like That was going to stop the barrier from hitting me, and yeah. instead it literally broke my foot. He's a, he's a strong, beefy boy. Yes. He is. He is a big, beefy boy. So it uh, is the Indiana Farmers Coliseum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and, this may be the same place. And what is also tremendous is somehow they have Garfield as a mascot. <laughs> uh, the, I, Gar, I've been saying this is the hot, the hot cool promotion because Garfield is in. <laughs> Use your Garfield Eats app, you know? The, the Young Bucks were also on that Ring of Honor show. Like The main event was like the Bucks and War Machine versus the Briscoes and somebody else. The I, I might probably. be mixing up those teams, but uh, the Bucks won, of course. And then they went around after the show was over and shook hands with everybody in the front row and said, thank you for coming. <laughs> what a bunch of baby faces. <laughs> yes, it was excellent. All right, let's talk. So we're going to be really zeroing in on the minutia of, television here pretty soon and we're going to try to figure out ways to keep that interesting week to week but let's zoom out a little bit while we still have the opportunity and talk about uh, some of the big picture that's going on as we know at full gear we're going to have chris jericho taking on cody for the AEW world championship i think the general consensus is that jericho is is going to win that they're going to uh, build around jericho for a while i'm on record as saying I think Cody makes sense as the champion, but I but I'm not sure that it makes sense for Cody to beat Jericho so quickly. So it's just kind of a weird match to me. I don't know. What do you guys think about uh, this match generally? But where this part of the of the title picture is going? Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Jericho should be the champ for the foreseeable uh, future, or the the near future uh, to establish that belt. Uh, but Cody is totally a viable champion. He's been the most protected singles guy. Um, well, uh, maybe, I guess, maybe outside of Moxley or Pac, but uh, they haven't been in as many matches as him. Um, and I, I really think it's a matter of they have to have drawing matches at this point. It's not, you know, um, a more established or worse promotion where they don't have to put on drawing matches and they can just put on whatever the fuck. They have to actually have matches that people want to see, so that's why we're seeing this so early. Yeah, totally. And when you look at the fact that they're going to be running in Baltimore, so you're basically running the same overall area twice in two months, you need to have a match that's going to bring people in, as we've seen how ticket sales have been plateauing for AEW. So having Jericho versus Cody makes perfect sense in the world. You're going to draw in the people who've been following the promotion. You'll get some people who go like, oh, those are former WWE guys having a match here. And then, I mean, that's also a place where Ring of Honor runs a whole lot. And I think Sinclair is based out of Baltimore. So these are people that would have seen Cody as Ring of Honor champion as well. I, as Nate said, Cody definitely is someone who is a future champion. But in this situation, you really don't have to strap him up immediately. He's someone that has done that he's over enough as is, he's protected enough as is. And for Jericho, you know, man, you're probably just going to get one really good Jericho run on top. And if you have it first up, you might as well write it out as long as you can and prepare whoever you think will be your first, like, homegrown champion. So, like, someone that has not had WWE TV, I think. So, I think it's okay. I think it's, it's logical and makes business sense. And it's not necessarily kind of... Actually, I should stop saying that because I'm not doubting Cody's matches anymore. So it's interesting. I also think 
Um, so uh, this is probably just like headcanon of, of, you know, my perception of Cody Rhodes or whatever. But I think he wants more for his first big title win and reign than having it hot-shotted to him on the third pay-per-view of the promotion that he is a vice president of. Like, I think he wants to tell a longer and more compelling and more personal story than that, um, which we're not getting in the in the uh, you know remaining weeks between now and full gear where that match is happening. Um, and that's just, you know, like, you know, uh, Cody was never a world champion in WWE, not that those world championships mean anything anymore. Uh, and in Ring of Honor, he was. And the Ring of Honor belt has historically been really well protected, but it's also, uh, you know, Ring of Honor was maybe briefly not an indie promotion, but is now probably an indie promotion again. So, um, you know, I just, I just imagine that he wants some more meat and a longer chase before he becomes the champion of this promotion. Yeah, Cody, as everyone knows, is very into the Southern wrestling, uh, you know, 70s, 80s style. This will give him a chance to create something for him to overcome and give him something, uh, you know, like a baby face would do. I'm not convinced that Cody is the guy who ultimately dethrones Jericho, although I guess it would make sense if he loses this first match that they could build to something in the future. I I've always thought Kenny Omega should be the second champion, uh, but I don't know. The, the way Omega has been handled so far, I don't know if they think he's a longer-term play. And maybe Cody ends up being the shorter term uh, guy, but I, I find all that very interesting. I think you can still have Omega be the guy to unseat Jericho, presuming that's the direction they're still going. Um, and then Cody is probably the longer play. And it also allows Cody to finally catch up to and surpass Omega at that point, because of course they have the giant feud in New Japan. Mm. Uh, and the story of that was basically that Omega is better than Cody, despite Cody's, uh, you know attempted uh, usurping of Bullet Club, et cetera, et cetera, and the Young Bucks. Um, so that's sort of more like a, you know, long-term story of his character where, hey, you know, I, I had to keep going my own way and keep pushing myself in the business, but now I'm finally at a level where I can even beat Kenny Omega and, and sort of uh, put that chapter behind him. All right, I'm sold on that. If it is headcanon, I'm in on it. So, which they've not been afraid to acknowledge stories from other promotions. So I think that would make sense. Thank God. It's pro wrestling. That's right. Uh, speaking of Kenny Omega, the guy who beat him at All Out, Pac. So we've talked, we talked a little bit about Pac, obviously, in our All Out review. He's clearly going into this program with Hangman Page. But it seems like, I feel like Page is uh, probably going to get cycled down. And, and Pac is in the process of, it looks like, becoming one of the big stars in this promotion. What Was Pac on the... TV poster? Don't believe so. He wasn't. <sighs> I don't. He's he doesn't feel like an every week guy. He feels like a, you know, special attraction guy, and a, you know, a, a a top heel that swoops in as a. I don't want to say end boss because that's kind of hacky, but you know, he he doesn't feel like an every week kind of guy. Yeah, and I know he's still doing a whole lot of European shots. So he's still doing bookings along those, and he's still based in in England. So he's not flying him back and forth for TV every week. Just doesn't make sense. So at some point he's got to build this match with Paige. That's at full gear, right? Maybe no. it's just maybe he'll no, no, no. Come Pac in. and yeah, I no. don't know when that is. No, no that, that hasn't been announced yet. No, it hasn't been announced. No. He hasn't been announced for anything, and he hasn't been in any sort of promos other than the uh, really the, the the press conference one so yeah it's Pac is a big question mark he hmm. i think uh i think he's only gonna be here when uh when the fulham season is in full swing and tony's flying his personal jet back and forth from england all the time okay when they can when they can put Pac on that flight then uh then he'll be uh, a more more frequent that's my that's my uh random guess hmm all right. Well, I didn't think about him not being on the TV poster. Obviously, he's like a recognizable face. So kind of weird that he's not on the poster. Yeah. Interesting. I think the page thing, though, is something to get into because of we've already seen now that Pac is not being focused on. Page still isn't a part of the poster. He's still a part of 
the weekly YouTube stuffs. I mean, they they keep their keeping him as a character, but it seems like that they're trying to do a very similar thing that they're doing for Omega, and I think that's kind of interesting to see how it play out. Because to me, it kind of feels like they're running the same angle twice at the same time. It just doesn't seem like that. If you're going to do this, like obviously Omega seems like the bigger star, but you also have the idea that Paige now after this huge, huge build lost the title. So it's interesting going forward. And definitely we have someone like Pac who I don't know if he has any Japanese dates coming up. It's completely open for him to work in AEW as much as possible. The way I imagine those working is that they're sort of trying to set up that the core unit of the elite is not a cohesive thing going forward, which is probably why you have uh, Paige being, you know, sort of on the outs of the Young Bucks, maybe. And then Kenny's having his uh, meltdown there. And they're at different tiers already. So their, you know, loss of confidence or whatever is uh, sort of plays out differently in that regard. But I'm, I'm, maybe I'm hoping that those are the seeds for, okay, we're not all on the same team anymore because. We all have our different personal issues, and that makes TV a little easier to uh, to plot out when you don't have you know all of your top <laughs> all of your top guys being vice presidents and in the same group. Yeah, I mean they're acknowledging Omega and the Bucks being together. I mean they called them the elite on this week's Road to AEW, but maybe they're gonna well actually they call them the core elite, which was interesting. So we'll see how that plays out. All right, a little note before we get into BTE. Uh, Kenny, we talked about this. Kenny Omega and Riho were in Taiwan uh, and Singapore for OWE. Uh, had a match with Yuka Sakazaki and Michael Nakazawa. I think we talked about that last week. I can't remember if we did or not. Yeah, there was that one, and there was a match where it was Kenny and Shima and uh, what's his name? Oh, the uh, the monk character. I forget what his exact name is in Chinese on the Singapore show. Okay. So uh, that's interesting, kind of interesting to see Kenny and even Riho more integrated with OWE. Yeah, it seems like that this would be a way to go to. I mean, especially since Kenny's showed up at the uh, show in OWE Japan. We have seen that Kenny's doing DDT, but he's only announced for that one date. So it would be interesting to see if this ends up being the Japanese option for them as OWE is now running shows and bigger shows going forward. I know Riho has been a regular on Tokyo Joshi Pro, and she, of course, is stardom high-speed champion, but OWE doesn't have a women's division so far. So this could be something that for like women and AEW, you have like the routes to like Tokyo Joshi Pro and stardom, whereas... Uh, for the men, you would have the opportunity maybe for DDT and OWE. So I think it's kind of interesting that we're maybe going to see like a branching off of Asian partners going forward. Yeah, this feels like, um, I know there was a note that uh, at one point Kenny had wanted AEW to be a bit more like DDT um, and Tony Khan basically shot that down, um, which I guess is the advantage of letting him have his uh, druthers when he's working in Japan and Taiwan and China or whatever else is if he wants to go and do intergender comedy stuff, he can go do it and do it with Riho and do it with Michael Nakazawa and you know still be creatively fulfilled or have fun that way, I guess. Um, so you know that's a, a point in favor of uh, you know using your leverage to, uh, to to give you the right to do stuff like that. All right, well, I think that's all the stuff I wanted to get to this week. So let's get to BTE, Nate. All right, BTE. Episode 170, Fingers Crossed, uh, opens with MJF sitting at a desk. Uh, we see that it's Cody's desk uh, in the DDP Yoga Studios or whatever, um, or the AW offices. I'm not sure what the location is, but it's one of those. Uh, he has a bunch of funny plaques on his desk, and they say things like Cody's best friend and junior executive vice president, uh, which is just taking an office joke. But, you know, it's pro wrestling, and people fucking love the office, so... That probably got over really huge um, with a lot of people. Uh, and I, just personally, um, having funny desk plaques is amusing to me. Uh, so he's at this desk. He's going to make an announcement on behalf of the Roller Coaster and TK, Tony Khan. Uh, and that is the Indiana show date, which we discussed previously. He says that Indiana is a land full of quitters, such as Andrew Luck um, and uh, also Barry's Peyton Manning. 
Uh, he does a little amusing shot about the Indy 500 and how it's just a bunch of left turns. Uh, that it also is not like a super original content, but again, he super commits to it and like, uh, you know, uh, fully sells uh, his character making this joke. So it's pretty funny. Calls it a NASCAR race. And yeah. I saw some people in the replies being like, oh, that was great because it will uh, piss off NASCAR fans and IndyCar fans, <laughs> but not sure if it was intentional. He's, he casts a wide net with this. I, yes. I thought this is great. And, you know, we all should have like, our own special desk plaques, our own name tags. I like that a lot. I thought this was a really funny and suburban Atlanta to do something like this. Um, yeah, I didn't know the difference between the cars. The only uh, 500 I recognize is the little 500. Of course, you got to love the bike riders, you know, yeah. at IU. Breaking away, great film. Um, all right, he says, uh, Cody's going to beat Jericho for the belt. So when they come to Indiana, <clears throat> Cody's going to be the champion. We pull back and uh, Tony Shivani is there asking why he is at Cody's desk. Um, there's some fun interplay here where MJF is, says, oh, you know, I'm doing business. I'm doing my work. Cody said that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm allowed to work at his desk when he's not around. Uh, but then Tony goes to call him on his bullshit and call Cody. So MJF uh, says, oh, well, business hours are over. I'm going to leave. Don't call uh, Cody. Um, so then Tony takes over the desk. And he switches the one, the one that says head slapdick. <laughs> I don't know. Yes, yes you do. Yes, he did. Yeah. Okay. So I know slap nuts, right? I mean, I've what's heard the distinction between slap nuts and slap dick? Slap nuts. Well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, slap nuts is something that uh, Jeff Jarrett made up, and I've heard people being called slap dicks my entire life. That's kind of yeah. That's kind of a southern like calling someone a dipshit. You call him, or something's like yeah. really like kind of thrown together. You say it's like, oh, this this guy put together this real slap dick presentation. So. There's a lot of different ways you can use the phrase slapdick. All right. Urban Dictionary. Someone who doesn't know what the hell they are doing or what is going on. An idiot who never knows anything. Folks, Mike Spears has used an idiom correctly. <laughs> Boom. And of, course it's, and of course, it's like a Southern curse word colloquialism. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Now, so that's, that's, I want to see if there's a distinction between that and slap nuts. Okay. I, uh, when the word fuckboy was first like coming of, of relevance, you know, I would use it a lot. And Sarah was like very confused by it. And so she looked it up on Urban Dictionary once and it had just like the funniest fucking uh, definition. And she kept claiming she was going to buy it. The definite, like you can buy the definitions of Urban Dictionary on mugs or whatever. And she kept claiming she was going to buy me the fuckboy one, but she never did. That was just me eating time while you looked up slap nuts. Appreciate it. Well, so then you said fuckboy. So I had to, did you also throw around uh, dick is abundant and low in value? Did you use that one a lot? <laughs> I don't think so. No. That, was, that was big on that era of Twitter. Okay. With those, the Obama years. Wow. Uh, wow. So Slap Nuts does not have an Urban Dictionary uh, entry. So really? So I'm two Jarrett for two. Did not penetrate the culture to that degree. Mike Spears is two for two for today. Yeah. Boom. Big day for Mike. This really is a big day for Mike. What about, did you throw around dry dick randos a lot? That was a big Twitter thing, <laughs> along with fuckboy. Uh, I'm trying to, there's a, no, a really funny one that I can't find, but it's basically like, I forget, but it had like a gendered uh, oh. uh, thing in it. So I told Sarah, we really couldn't have it on a mug, <laughs> but it was uh, funny. <laughs> all right. Uh, we got to ask you, Kaz is telling a story about one time he had a case of the Snickers. There's a call back to that old bit where they would eat Snickers bars. Um, and then they basically, it, it, very long segment to determine which of them are going to be the tag tourney. Basically the premise is each person wants the other two people to be in the tag tourney, I guess, because they're such a good team or something. This had bad sound quality and was annoying to, to uh, consume. Yeah. They, very clearly did it with their cell phones. You could see which cell phone is being used for which one because they left it in frame. <laughs> um, okay. In the box, they have a Cracker Barrel appearance on September 25th, and it's free. So uh, if you want the book, the children's book, hit it up. Uh, and then we get the box entering Brandon Cutler's new place. Uh, he puts over that basically because of their generosity as his management. Um, he got a new home <laughs> and, uh, they got a drone for BTE, which is great. Maybe he's been doing some of the drone shots that I was crediting, uh, Sammy Guevara for, uh, and a new camera. Um, 
so Matt basically is unhappy with Brandon because he keeps getting bu- bullied by Sammy Guevara and MJF. Uh, so this is where they reveal the match against MJF for the television debut in DC. And then uh, basically they do an extended segment where they talk about how he's going to do two things. He's not just going to be bullied around by Sammy G and MJF because he is a wrestler. He does have a second contract as a wrestler. He's not merely their cameraman. He is two contract color. He has two contracts. Uh, so that's going to get over. And then we get BT Mailbag. The librarian, Peter Avalon, he's asked what his autobiography will be called. Um, the person that asked him was a big Naito fan, which was funny. Uh, and he says it's going to be called The Librarian, Leave Me Alone, Please. Yeah, it was, which, it was John, actually, that asked this question. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, I it just like the idea of John being a big librarian fan. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry. That's that didn't, it, it just didn't work. Sorry, it did John. Have, but it, no. But it popped yeah. me. <laughs> Sorry, John. <laughs> um. Oh, I didn't, I didn't get, when we say we're going to talk about BTE. Come on. <laughs> I didn't get this this joke. Leva me alone, please. What's the it has Leva in there. Does he not like right. Leva now? They were for a time. They were like romance. So, we've yeah, had, you know, a fair amount of <laughs> BTE storylines that are sort of petered out here. Uh, are they not romantically involved anymore, but they're still managing each other? Unclear. I, I thought it was always that Peter had the hots for her but she spurned him or maybe I, this is all headcanon. <laughs> yeah. We do talk about this every week and I don't know. <laughs> all right. Then we get Kenny. Uh, he apologizes for his behavior on the mailbag last week uh, and talks about how he took the loss, especially hard um, to Pac, but he's, he's going to bounce back. Uh, we pull out again to Matt and Nick editing the show and Matt wants him to cut the segment, but Nick thinks crazy Kenny is good because it's going to turn him back into the cleaner and the cleaner is going to be good for ratings. Um, hopefully he's going to bring the arm chainsaw back spots over big with me. Um, so, uh, you know, basically Matt walks off and Nick throws the rest of this clip back here into the episode. Uh, Kenny is now melting down at his cameraman, Michael Nakazawa, uh, and saying no one cares about him. He basically does a bunch of tropey alcoholic lines here. Like I'll tell you when I've had enough and just real, like, you know, the, the kind of line you write for an alcoholic when you don't actually know what an alcoholic says, but you've experienced a lot of uh, tropey alcoholics in media and they say the same thing. You just did a bunch of that. Yeah, it was very bad. Like I thought last week was bad, but you all seem to think it was fine. So I was like, OK, you know, not for me. But this is, um, it, you, you're, you sort of, you know, judge on a curve like this is what yeah. you're getting with Kenny's acting is he's like naturally a ham. So that's what happens. Yeah. Whereas last week I could at least put it in the guise of Connor O'Malley videos. I was like, okay, that's funny because of this other cultural thing that I enjoy. This was just bad. Yeah, so. this was bad. They should abandon this mm-hmm. as quickly as possible. It would be funny if they brought the cleaner back. <laughs> I saw a picture of him on Twitter the other day, like in full cleaner mode. And I guess I hadn't real I don't remember like how long his hair was and like oh, the yeah. black was really in there. He looked pretty wild. And especially a comparison of like the photos of him and Riho and yeah. Taiwan where it's like they have the matching gear and it looks really great. And his hair is, it looks, you could tell he hasn't had to do hair dye a lot recently and his hair looks pretty vibrant yeah. versus then. Yeah. I do uh, definitely want to compliment his nice pink gear and vibrant hair. Yeah. Look great. More of that, less of Love this that. part of BDE. Maybe Kenny can have the pink exploding stuff behind him. In his yeah. Pictures. Do it. All right. Well, I think that's it. Unless you guys have anything else. No, I'm uh, I'm waiting for Link's Awakening to unlock here, um, and I'm going to play that all night. Okay. Great news. I'm I'm rooting for you. Thank you. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at everything AEW. You can follow me at Aaron like the car. Nate at Epitasis. Mike at Fuji. Hey, uh, subscribe to the podcast, please. Rate and review it, please. Sponsor us. RedCircle.com slash show slash everything dash elite, which is us. You can sponsor us one time or on a monthly basis. We'll be back next week to get you officially ready for the first week of AEW on TNT. And then soon thereafter, we're going to be talking about a lot of TV. You guys ready to watch two hours of TV every week? No, I don't watch two hours of TV (laughs) any week at this point in my life. I cover Dragon Gate. I'm used to watching wrestling shows. Nate just watched vlogs. 
Yeah, Nate doesn't watch wrestling. This is gonna be very hard for him. Yeah, this is this year is probably been the least I've watched wrestling in the last five years. Has the most shows you've gone to either Aaron or I or our friends have been with you at a show? Uh, this year, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I pretty much at this point only watch Stardom, Sendai Girls, and I watch Tokyo Joshi Pro Korokans. Mm-hmm. I don't think I and AEW. I don't think I really watch anything else. Well, the you know the secret of New Japan is you don't have to watch it. You can enjoy it without watching a fucking. Minute I don't of it. watch it, and I'm up on all the discourse. Yeah, you, you can be totally up on the discourse, and uh, you know, again, this is uh, the analogy I used before was you can watch the NBA Finals and get just as much enjoyment from them as someone who watched all fucking 82 games. I hard disagree with that. No, it's definitely true. I probably enjoyed those finals. You know, 85% is a Toronto Raptors fan that has watched every game for 10 years. Um, had a great time. And okay. I didn't, you know, uh, spend my whole life doing it. So, New Japan, you can swoop in for the big shows, get a great kick out of all the storylines uh, paying off, and you don't have to watch all the undercard six-mans for, you know, uh, uh, fucking from Beppu. Oh, any- <laughs> nice Beppu shot. Thank anybody you. who watches that, like, I love you, Tharos, but anybody who watches all the undercard spot shows is a serial killer. <laughs> I should, do that uh, for Dragon Gate. I, well, I yeah. watch it. You're a serial killer. I'm you're, sorry. You're you're a uh, yeah, a a twinkier and more niche serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, you know, Dragon Gate. Um, we should uh, we should make our formal apologies to the ace of the universe, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Yes, we should. Um, yes. Because we did say that Psycho Clown was a better ace than him. And of course, Psycho Clown is uh, problematic, a, a problematic fave, but problematic nonetheless. Uh, so you have to have to give that up to Tanahashi on that. Point. Yep. Uh, sincerely Very... apologize and own up for our bad actions there and supporting the problematic fave. Psycho Clown over the true ace of the universe, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Once in a century talent, feel the best high energy. Max Very Walter cowardly Jr. of you both to drop this in after I did the like, uh, the outro. So everybody turned this off when I started talking about how to follow us on Twitter. <laughs> the, the the real EE heads, the real fam, have listened the entire time, and the ones that probably are the ones who want to hear us apologize, we're going to wait and see if we actually apologize at the end. So they're going to get right. credited for this. You know, we're not we're not apologizing to the casuals. We apologize to our true <laughs> believers. That's right. Champagne for our real friends. Rosh friends for our fake friends. <laughs> All right, I think that's a great way to end it. So for Mike, (laughs) for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week.